passion and pageantry of college football lives here. This is the Paul Feinbaum Show, Hour 2 Podcast. Hey, we're back. Uh, thanks for being here on a very busy Thursday afternoon. Uh, we know what Nick Saban has decided to do. Uh, we've heard from him, not in, in perhaps the conventional sense, the press conference, the Q&A, and the mixing it up. But we're going to go to Tuscaloosa now and try to get a little bit of a, some context to the last 23 hours. Mike Roydag joins us late in the show, and uh, he rejoins us again. He's covered Alabama for a number of years. Also covered uh, Bill Belichick. Uh, Mike, before we get to Saban, just uh, the juxtaposition of Saban's retirement being announced last night and Belichick being pushed out today. Uh, you, your mind had to be spinning, did it not? It definitely was. I mean, I was watching, you know, Bill Belichick's retirement press conference and trying to write stories about Nick Saban's, uh, not Bill Belichick's retirement, Bill Belichick's firing press conference really was what it was. And then trying to write stories about Nick Saban's retirement. It was, uh, it was interesting. I mean, it's uh, not too many people have covered both. And um, you kind of knew all along that it was going to be a different ending, you know, for both of them, especially the last couple of years with the Patriots and just, it it wasn't going to continue with Bill Belichick there, but um yeah, it, I, I, I do think we'll see Bill Belichick coaching next year. I, I don't think we'll see Nick Saban coaching next year. Mike, I bring it up because someone mentioned to me earlier, and, and I really don't know, uh, whether Saban watching Belichick from, from a distance, uh, knowing how much he cares and how close they are, uh, hating to see the way it ended for Belichick uh, after being in, what, nine Super Bowls, fairly similar resume, to say the least. Uh, do, do you think uh, seeing Belichick just fall apart these last two or three years, they're about the same age, do you think that, that ever played, uh, did that play any role in Nick Saban's decision? You know, it's tough to say for sure. And I, I do think there's a lot of differences in terms of the NFL has so much more parity. And the Patriots went from being at the top of the mountain to being at the bottom of the mountain just absurdly quickly uh, within a period of three or four years. And that's how the NFL is designed. They will you, eat you alive. Um, college football is not the same. I mean, even the last couple of years, you could say there's been a little bit of slippage from Alabama in terms of they haven't won a title in three years, but they're still top five, top six team in the country. Um, and they're never going to be at that point, I think, where the Patriots are now. So um, I don't know if it would ever would have fallen that, that much for Nick Saban and, you know, I, I don't think there would ever have been a day where he would have gotten fired by Alabama. Um, but I, I do think he's very cognizant of when you get to a certain age and if you're not doing things at the same level, um, then, you know, what does that mean in terms of your legacy? Are, are you going on too long? And, you know, I, I think just listening to his interview with Reese Davis and what's come out so far, I, I do think there's some amount of just cutting it off before uh, there's any sort of, further slippage to a point that's a little bit lower than where it is right now. I've caught a couple of minutes of it. Uh, we've been doing a lot of things here, so I, didn't, I haven't uh, been able to see it in, in its entirety. But, but Mike, there was some confusion, uh, at least I was confused, when he was talking about yesterday when Coach Saban said, I, w- I wasn't really sure what I was going to say to the team. Can you give us uh, some, as much clarity as you can uh, on how you read that statement uh, about the indecision yesterday? Yeah, you know, I, I'm curious myself. I don't know, you know, what the exact thinking is behind it, but as a lot of people have said now, like he was still 
interviewing coaches yesterday and going about his business in a very normal way. And uh, does that mean that he was just doing that because he's a creature of habit and he felt like that's what he, he needed to do up until the end? Uh, and he already had his mind made up or was it something where he was still really going back and forth and deciding whether that was you know the right thing to do to retire until the very last minute? Um, I think you can kind of interpret it both ways. I'm not fully sure myself. And, um, you know, it, as he kind of talks a little bit more and, and does some more interviews, I think there's different pieces that you start to put together the puzzle. But, um, I mean, a lot of people in that building were shocked yesterday. Definitely a surprise to people, um, you know, in terms of what happened at four o'clock. And on that, on that front, uh, and, and I realize Nick Saban is a, is a different creature, but the conventional way uh, of doing what he did is uh, the university releases it. There's a press conference. Unless I missed something today, and I don't think I did, Mike, there was no press conference. There wasn't. And I, at this point, I just, I don't think there will be. I think he's, he's gotten out what needs to get out in terms of his reasoning. And um, again, some more of these things about the mental grind and, you know, he cited his health. I think he's clarified that to mean a little bit more, just being worn down from the season. He's talked about his age becoming a factor in hiring coaches and recruiting players. You know, he's kind of pushed back against the idea that NAL and the portal have played a role, but, it does play a role in the sense that it's added to his plate. It's added to the stress level of, of trying to get through December, which he's talked about as, as being a massive grind now in college football. And we've gotten more of these reasons, but at this point, I don't think there's any need to be honest, to have a, a formal press conference. I, I, again, I do think there will be some sort of commemoration, something involving fans, something where people can kind of pay their respects. But in terms of us in the media, I think, you know, Nick has kind of chosen to go the path of, uh, you know, some of these ESPN outlets. And again, I think that one day he's probably going to be working for you guys uh, over at ESPN. Yeah, and that's kind of the way he's always done it. I mean, uh, the story broke from an ESPN person. Most of them do because there's a, well, there's a lot of reasons for that. But I'll, I'll let the media chirp about that. I, I don't want to get too deep in the weeds here. It's well, but I do want to get into the weeds of what's next. And give us uh, your read on everything that has happened from Dan Lanning being out. We know that. Mike Norvell just tweeted something about a player coming there. Some people think that means maybe the end of him. So where are we right now? Yeah, I mean, I'll start with the Norvell thing, because I think now that Dan Lanning is you know, pretty clearly out, I think Norvell is, is probably the biggest name that people are talking about right now. And um, Terrence Ferguson, who had gone into the portal about a week ago for Alabama, one of their offensive linemen, just committed to Florida State within the past 15 minutes. And that's what led to the Mike Norvell tweet saying it's a great day to be a Florida State Seminole, hashtag big man coming to the Knoll family, and hashtag tribe 24, future is bright in Tallahassee, which A, is clearly you know a response to the, the transfer pickup, but B, I think people are already reading into that as some sort of statement that Norvell you know, is back in Tallahassee, and um, ostensibly that would mean you know not coming to Alabama. So, um, you know, look, Greg Byrne is going to be very secretive about his coaching search. He, he always has been. He was with Nate Oates. He was with Rob Vaughn, the baseball coach. It's kind of Byrne's M.O. I don't think we're going to get a ton of very solid info coming out, but I'd say right now, you know, Norvell and, and Kalen DeBoer are the two biggest names that seem to be getting buzz. And we know Norvell a little bit. He, went, he was at Memphis, uh, and then his 
Florida, his Florida State career has been pretty well publicized. He was in trouble a couple of years ago before he turned it around, and did he ever turn it around, nearly making the playoffs this year. DeBoer is different. Uh, great success at a different level. Uh, as best I read his resume, uh, no familiarity with uh, the Deep South. Uh, just what are people saying about him right now, other than he's highly thought of, which he is? Yeah, I mean, certainly the, the contract situation, having that on the table but not having it done, uh, I think is, is certainly, I want to say a red flag, but something that people are kind of latching on to. Um, you know, Jimmy Sexton being his agent and the connection to, to Nick Saban, uh, I think is another factor that people are looking at. And just the fact that he's won. Uh, a lot wherever he's been and just brought a team to the national title that didn't necessarily have the best, uh, you know, recruiting type talent in the world. So those are all positives for him. But, you know, ultimately I think whoever the coach is, they need to come in and they're going to have to convince a lot of these guys to stay. And there is this 30 day window that's open so far. There has not been any Alabama players that went in. I've heard that there was a a players only meeting um, after, you know, Saban's announcement and the veterans in the room essentially said, you know, let's let's hold off on going into portal. Let's let's wait and see. Uh, but a players are still getting calls about offers and, and money that's out there. I know that. Uh, but b let's kind of see who the coaches, um, and and we'll have to see if any players do in fact bolt. And um, you know, there's there's a lot of good players at Alabama, and there's a lot of good recruits coming in. And um, just keeping that all together is, is going to be task number one for no matter who the new coach is. Finally, Mike, uh, Mike, talking to Mike Rodak, uh, those are the two names. And, and, you know, by the way, uh, when a lot of us went to bed early this morning, uh, everybody had sources that said Dan Lanning was in Tuscaloosa, which we now know he wasn't. He was watching a, a Jason Bourne movie out in Washington, and I, I compliment him for his movie tastes. Um, what about Sark? What about Lane Kiffin? What about some of these other names that get thrown against the wall? Are they sticking? I think Sark would be the most, um, I don't want to say likely, but I think the most desired in terms of Alabama's standpoint. But the big question is still, do you leave Texas for Alabama? Which I think five, ten years ago, that would have been a no-brainer. But it's different now. And, and Texas has the resources, has the NIL infrastructure above and beyond what Alabama has. And, um, you know, we kind of saw Alabama after the Rose Bowl loss did not waste any time and trying to make their pitch to fans that we need more NIL support. We need to stay competitive. The SEC is expanding. Um, you know, there is, I want to say it was desperate, but look, Alabama is not at that level. And at this day and age of college football, leaving Texas for Alabama is not the slam dunk that it once seemed like. And um, I would still not expect Steve Sarkeesian to be the head coach. I could be surprised, but uh, we'll have to see. And, you know, again, Lane Kiffin, I think, has a history at Alabama. Um, and I, I just don't know if that translates into him being the head coach. Uh, I, I don't mean to uh, act like I'm totally shocked by what you said. Uh, oh, my goodness. Uh, gambling in Casablanca? What are you talking about, Mike? Uh, we know his history. Uh, he didn't leave under great <laughs> circumstances. But since then... He has been very impressive, and it's hard to find a coach right now who seems to understand the NIL part of the the puzzle, the collective part of the puzzle, and the transfer portal part of the puzzle. Is that enough to bring Lane Kiffin uh, up to the front row of this coaching search? 
I still would be surprised. And I think, you know, we've still seen from the Alabama perspective kind of lane being lane, if you will. Um, you know, whether it's the popcorn comment before the Alabama game a couple of years ago or more recently, you know, the thing with Javaris Robinson and, um, you know, Kevin Steele not calling the defensive plays and, you know, whether or not that was true, I, I've heard things recently that would suggest that it, it was in fact true, but just the mere fact that he was kind of poking the bear and uh, kind of making that a, a public thing, um, I, I don't know if that's what Alabama wants in, in their next coach, especially in contrast to Nick Saban and, and kind of how buttoned up and um, conservative he was in that realm. So, you know, Lane is Lane. I just don't know if Lane is, is Alabama's next coach. Mike, always appreciate it. We, we, you're, you've been great to us, and uh, we are in your debt. Thank you very much. Mike Roydak from Tuscaloosa, the latest from T-Town. Nick Saban has left the building. He'll be back. He ha- he'll have an office, but he won't be the head football coach there anymore. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show podcast. Is your schedule too packed to see a doctor about your erectile dysfunction? Well, with Hims, now you can get treated for ED without stepping foot outside your door. They're changing men's health care by providing access to affordable sexual health treatments from the comfort of your couch. Hims provides access to doctor-trusted ED treatment options such as chewable hard mints, brand name treatments like Viagra, or generic alternatives for up to 95% cheaper. The process is simple and entirely online. Just answer a series of questions and a medical provider will determine the right treatment option. If prescribed, your medication ships to you free. No insurance needed. So what are you waiting for? Join the hundreds of thousands of trusted HIMSS subscribers and get treated. Start your free online visit today at HIMSS.com Paul. That's H-I-M-S.com Paul for your personalized ED treatment options. HIMSS.com Paul. Hardments are chewable compounded products which are not approved by or verified for safety or effectiveness by the FDA. Prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate. Restrictions apply. See website for details and important safety information. Subscription required. Price varies on product and subscription plan. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any 8-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature 8-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Trying to get as much as uh, much of the conversation with Coach Saban to you as we can, since he clearly is not doing uh, a press conference today. Earlier, just a, about an hour ago, Nick Saban with Reese Davis. I'm sure you talked to a lot of people afterwards. Is there a moment that stands out that's particularly meaningful to you after you made this decision? Well, you know, I love all the players, but there's some players. I mean, you're human that you have special relationship with. And I spend more time with the defensive guys and I spend more time with the defensive backs. So when a lot of the players came up, you know, Malachi Moore and Caleb Downs, um, Malachi is one of the captains on the team. Caleb is a young guy that has all the right stuff and does everything exactly like you'd want and is a tremendous competitor, both guys. So those two guys were probably the most difficult. So what did, they, what did you say to them? 
I encouraged them to continue to do the things that they've always done to be successful. Um, and, you know, one of the things I encouraged the team to do was, you know, you guys all need to play for each other. Um, you know, they'll hire a really good coach here. Um, you'll have good coaches. You'll learn more things from more different people that can enhance your development. Um, and you guys got to trust in that and believe in that and play for each other. And I'm going to be here. So I'm going to be here for you. I'm going to have a presence. Uh, I'm going to stay in Tuscaloosa. They're giving me an office in the stadium. And I said, I, I can get on your butt from there just like I can from <laughs> on the field. <laughs> so weird to uh, hear Coach Saban, who could, who could buy the university probably, say, and they're going to give me an office. Under the <laughs> oh, wow. Let's get back to the calls. Uh, Blake Topmeyer joining us in a couple of minutes. And Gary is in uh, Wyoming. Hey, Gary, go right ahead. Hello, Paul. Thanks for taking my call. Thank you. Uh, tough, tough times, but they're going to get better. I, Paul, you had mentioned, well, for one thing, if I were Nick Saban and I were walking out at 148, p.m. Central time, I'd get a hold of Bill Belichick and say, I got the boat running. I got the fishing poles. Let's go. Yeah, you know, I, 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 I detected something, Gary, and uh, I think tomorrow is going to be a tough day for Coach. I mean, today he was thanking everybody, but this is somebody that in every interview I ever had with him, especially in the middle part of his tenure when – there was some talk. Maybe he would walk away. He, he just always shut that down. And I mean, th I, I asked you this question. And I ask every single person, including myself, what would you do tomorrow if you didn't do what you're doing today? Now, I know what your answer would be. Go by the package yeah. store. And, 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 but I, I think it's a fair question. Uh, and and uh, yeah. I, I've seen a lot of people like the next day go, man, what did I just do? I, I think that Bill Belichick played more of a role in Nick's retiring than a, than a lot of people. This is my own opinion, I okay? I agree. Then, then people want to realize. And I, I'm going to throw this out at you. And I think the discussion about Mac Jones at times probably come up with Nick and Bill more than once. I, you know, it, Belichick... He, he was successful up there, Mac Jones was, and then all of a sudden he just fell off the radar screen. And for Nick to be calling up Bill and talking football and, and to be talking about somebody that they both had a good relationship with, you know, as far as Mac Jones goes, and to listen to the, the frustration, I, it's total speculation, Paul, on my part, but I think – Nick Saban wanted to make sure that Bill Belichick didn't feel like the lone stranger. Now, I think, Gary, I think you're right. Now, one thing about both of them, Belichick's season ended, it ended about three months ago, but it officially ended Sunday. Saban's season's been over right. now. And, and, and I realize there's a lot going on, but when, when, you're, when you're on this treadmill going as fast as possible, and then finally you get, I mean, I, 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 I don't do anything compared to what they do, but, but Monday I called a very close friend of mine uh, that I haven't talked to in four months because you know, it, everybody has one of those people you just can't call in three minutes. 
And, right. and I, I, I think they talked. I, I feel comfortable that they did. Yep. And I'm sure he said, Bill, what's going on up there? And he goes, I, you know, I met with Robert Kraft yesterday and I told him and I think he's going to fire me. And uh, that would be a shock to the system because, in, and I don't need to say this, but Belichick, I mean, the, the coverage of Belichick today is, is, has been epic. Uh, just yeah. like the coverage of Saban yesterday was. And Saban would have been the same way today had it not been for Belichick. I think Bel- I think they mirror each other very yeah. well. I, of course, Nick, Sa- Nick Saban reminds me of Vince Lombardi. Wherever Lombardi went, he had success almost immediately. But Gary, you, you, and, what did, so what did Vince Lombardi do? He walked away, and he came back. Yep. He came back yep. to coach the Washington Redskins and, and nearly nearly brought them back to greatness before he uh, sadly got sick. But uh, and I don't know what Nick Saban has planned for tomorrow, but it, it will be very difficult because and, and yeah, everybody <laughs> assumes he's going in yep. TV. And I, I think if you uh, if you look at the the two interviews he did today, they were both with ESPN. I mean, what what does that indicate to you? I mean, I think that's pretty easy to figure out. Thanks for the call. We are heading to a break. More to come. Blake Topmeyer's view from his perch right after this. You're listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show podcast. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any 8-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature 8-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. A little bit later on, we'll uh, check in with the, uh, the HBC on his view of uh, what happens to somebody at this age. And he retired, of course. So who, uh, who's out there that would make a difference? Uh, Blake Topmeyer joining us, always with strong opinions and, and well thought out. Blake, thanks for the time. Let's get your thoughts on... Uh, on really where Alabama is looking and maybe where you think they, they should be looking. Yeah, well, I wrote last night, Paul, that I, I thought the coaching search should start with Kalen DeBoer at Washington. I mean, maybe not as flashy of a name as, as some of the others we've heard thrown around, but you look at his accomplishments. And he's won everywhere he's been. He's lost just 12 games in nine seasons. Uh, he, he's young enough to still be able to do this for a long time, but I think he's old enough to be experienced, comfortable in his own skin. Uh, you hear people that know him 
talk about him. They express a lot of respect. I mean, I, I don't see any real knocks with DeBoer as a coach. He, he's proved it at every level. Now, I do think it's fair to wonder whether he can recruit in the SEC waters. He hasn't had to do that before, uh, hasn't spent time in the SEC. Of course, Nick Saban hadn't spent time in the SEC before LSU, and Urban Meyer hadn't spent time uh, in the SEC before Florida. So I think previous SEC experience is a bonus. I don't think it's the end-all, be-all. I don't think there is a perfect candidate, but as far as someone who checks a lot of the boxes, I keep coming back to Kalen DeBoer at Washington. Like I have great respect for him, and I think anybody who's honest with themselves does. But but let me just pass along what I'm hearing from some people in Alabama. <laughs> he reminds me of Brian Harson, and, and and that is quite an <laughs> indictment. And and there may not be a uh, an ounce of truth to it, but it's all about not having been down there and recruiting in the current world. Even though we both know recruiting today is a little bit different than it, than it was even three or four years ago. Yeah, and and to that end, I I think one thing where Brian Harson misstepped from really off off the jump at Auburn is he didn't ingrain himself in the recruiting circles in Alabama. I don't think that was of high interest to him, uh, getting to know the coaching community down there. I mean, if Alabama went in that direction of of Kalen DeBoer, that would be have to be priority one for him is making sure uh, the coaching community down there knows him, is familiar with him, gets to like him. I also think it would be really important how he built his staff. Um, you would have, he, he would have to have, I think, some individuals around him who knows the recruiting terrain, who have relationships. That can't make up everything for your head coach, but I do think that can go a long way if you can get some of those veterans uh, from that footprint in the country uh, who know the important coaches in that area, who are established names within the SEC. I think that can help uh, round out your staff. But as I said, and if you remember, Paul, I, I wrote earlier this season that I thought this would be a really bad time for Nick Saban to retire for Alabama's perspective because I didn't see a perfect candidate out there for the job. You know, we think back a few years, I think, you know, we all had our little short lists of who could replace Saban, those lists have changed a lot in the last couple of years. And, and I think that's just it, right? As I look around, I don't see someone out here who would A, probably say yes to the job, and B, checks all the boxes. I mean, I think Steve Sarkeesian at Texas would check an awful lot of the boxes for Alabama. Great recruiter, good coach from the Saban tree, been at Alabama, won multiple places. I mean, you know, I can go down the list, check, 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 right? But I just keep coming back to why would Sark leave Texas where he's got momentum rolling there? He can win a national championship right where he's at. Um, If not for ego, why would you leave that to have the pressure of replacing Nick Saban? And I think that's something a lot of coaches will probably have to consider. You know, it's remarkable, Blake, as you said that. And, of course, you're correct uh, about being part of the Saban tree because he really, Saban, we all know the story. But I I started to think, uh, you know, we are obsessing in this news cycle about Saban and Bill Belichick. And the guy that really gave uh, Kiffin and Sark their, their big break was Pete Carroll, who, who might as well not even be alive, and he, he got pushed out yesterday, and it might be the most overlooked story I've ever seen. It's not really an issue here, but it is remarkable, is it not? 
Yeah, and who else can we find from the uh, Pete Carroll coaching tree? Maybe that's where we uh, ought to be <laughs> pretty, looking. It's a pretty good tree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but, I mean, Kiffin's another interesting one because, I mean, that's a case. You know, I wonder with Sark if he would want the job. I do think he checks a lot of the boxes. I mean, when it comes to Kiffin, I think he checks certain boxes. I do wonder, though, if Lane's persona and the Alabama administration could be a little bit oil and water. I don't know if, if Kiffin would be a total fit for Alabama. I mean, but in terms of if you want to look at an established SEC coach who might have some interest in the job. I'm not inside Lane's head, but I, I think he could relish the opportunity. Um, I just wonder if if Alabama would relish the Lane experience. It's been a great experience for Ole Miss. I think it would be a great experience at other places. I'm not sure it would be the most perfect union uh, at, at Alabama in particular. Well, that that is exactly what I think the conventional wisdom is. I talked to somebody close to Kiffin earlier. And, Blake, the pushback was you do those things because you're not at Alabama. Once you get to Alabama, you don't have to do all those uh, crazy things. I don't know. That's not a winning argument probably for Greg Byrne because there is a little bit of baggage. But it's hard to argue with Lane Kiffin in today's environment and how he has has navigated it. So I I know you're kind of pushing Kiffin aside. Um, Mike Norvell, that train comes and goes. Uh, Other names pop up. where, where else? Uh, I mean, and by the way, DeBoer may have already accepted the job. I have no earthly idea. But assuming he do, he isn't the guy, uh, and, and Sark stays where he is, and Kiffin doesn't raise above a certain level, then where else could Greg Byrne go, knowing who he is and and how he has treated previous searches? Yeah, I, I wish I could could throw a candidate out from left field, right? But I, I think that's sort of the problem with this search is once you get past the names we've mentioned, I think you're grasping at straws a little bit. I mean, Dabo Sweeney would have been the name a couple years ago, even though Dabo's 15 years younger than Nick Saban. I think he's more out of touch with college football right now than what Saban was when it comes to NIL and and the transfer portal. Um, And and I think Dabo remains a a good fit for, as he would call it, little old Clemson. Um, But I just wonder if he's a, I question that he's a, he's the fit for Alabama in this moment. I mean, James Franklin, you know, there's a guy that, that wins all the games except the big games. You know, he would come into Alabama with that headwind facing him, already the narrative on him of this is a guy that doesn't win the big games. And the first time he lost a big game um, at Alabama, that narrative would, would resurface. I think those are tough waters to swim in. So I realize I'm crossing off names onto, onto your list. I'm not adding your names uh, onto the list. And again, I I wish I could do that. I'm sure Greg Byrne wishes he could do that too, uh, unless he has his guy. But I think that's a situation Alabama finds itself. That's reality. However, when we re- rewind the clock a few a few years back, and we think who would have been on the short list for Alabama um, just a few years ago, we probably would have started the conversation with Davo Sweeney, Mario Cristobal, maybe Billy Napier. Right? Those those th- three guys probably would have been among the mix. I mean, how Absolutely. are those three guys looking? right now not great <laughs> which i think is to say like there isn't sure things here i know it's a good job it's it's a program with with blue blood great history good facilities good recruiting base i mean th- there are a lot of things going for that program but as you know better than almost anyone paul i mean that, that's it's not an automatic it's not as simple as just saying hey next coach down 
come on in and, and keep the good times rolling. And as I said, those those three names that I just mentioned that would have been atop the list a couple years ago, you know, the shine is off them a, a little bit. And you just wonder about this current crop, if, if there's a guarantee in the bunch. I don't think there is. Maybe Sark would be the closest thing to it because I like what he's done at Texas. Um, I, I think, you know, as a recruiter, as a coach, he'd be great at Alabama. I just don't think he's going to leave Texas. Hey, I'll make, I'll make, I'll make your, your, your suggestions from yesteryear look even uh, better. I, I, Cause you covered Tennessee. Uh, I don't know what year it was right after uh, Jeremy Pruitt got the job. I, I talked to some people in Tuscaloosa and they said that everyone in that building loves Jeremy Pruitt. Don't rule him out a couple of years down the road. We can now do that officially. Can we not? Yeah, I think he's been ruled out for uh, almost any any coaching job out there at the moment, right? But I mean, and not to pick on poor Jeremy, but that that is it, right? There there aren't slam dunks in this situation, and you add on top of that just the unrelenting pressure of whoever comes next on the heels of this. I think you need a good coach, you need a good recruiter, but you need as best you can to do your homework and, and try to figure out who can stand up to that pressure, who has, um, I guess, the mental fortitude to be comfortable and confident in their own skin, but not have so much ego that they think they got it all figured out from day one, uh, but, but can kind of stand up to that pressure and, and not worry about what, what's being said about them around the corner or um, you know not worrying about what the blowback's going to be on, on every decision because everything this next coach does, whoever it is, it is, is going to be under the microscope. And uh, I, I know you, you, you said uh, Steve Spurrier is, is coming on your, your show here later, Paul, so I won't, I won't spoil it all, but I, I just got off the phone. Uh, with with the head ball coach, and he, and he said, uh, I don't know who will take it. He said, it's going to be a tough job, whoever takes it. And, and I pointed out to Spurrier that, yeah, that kind of proved true at, at Florida, right? You don't want to be the guy to follow the guy. And, uh, yeah, he, he agreed with that. He said, there's something to that. You, you want to be the guy after the guy. That's, that's a cliche for a reason. Doesn't mean that whoever Alabama hires can't, um, you know, keep that program as a power, but what a task to, to follow in after, after Nick Saban. And there are some, that guy who followed that guy, uh, but there's so, there's so few uh, that the list uh, will not uh, take up one of your hands. I can't wait to, uh, to read your piece on, on Coach and talk to you as this coaching search unfolds. Thank you very, very much, Blake Topmeyer from USA Today, and we are going to hit the break. Uh, we want to get more of your phone calls in. Uh, we're almost two hours in, and no puffs of white smoke yet coming from Tuscaloosa. You're listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show podcast. And we are back. Uh, Certainly a lot of calls coming in, and we appreciate all of them. Uh, Marianne is up next. Uh, hello, Marianne. Hi, Paul. How are you? Good afternoon. Thank you. Um, really enjoy your show. I'm a Sooner fan, so uh, Boomer Sooner, I can say that now. We're joining the SEC. We can't okay. wait. <laughs> My question is, um, let's, regarding Nick Saban, it's a two-parter. Um, my first question is, do you think that this was something that he just thought of overnight or 
this was in the works. Maybe he had planned this because I honestly was shocked because I could see him during a few more years. That being said, is it possible that partly he is retiring because of the way college football, the way the direction is headed with the NIL and the portal? Mary, the second question is very possible. The first question is this. Uh, and I, when you, when you go through a, a career uh, and you, you, t- you know people, anyone after a certain age, if they, if, they, if they say they don't think about retirement, they are not telling the truth. You retired from place, didn't yes. you? Did, how, how, how often did you think about it? Retiring? Every day? Oh, for a year. Yeah. Um, and I'm four years younger than Nick Saban. I say that only because once you get to a certain age, Marianne, it doesn't matter how successful you are, and obviously it helps if you are, people talk around it. Uh, they, they, I mean, when you're 40, they don't talk around it. Uh, when you're 35 and you're ascending. But you, it doesn't, I mean, and Nick Saban, nobody would ever, but I, I, I interviewed him a number of times over the years, and I always found a way to get to like, well, have you, have you ever thought about retirement? And you can tell the second that comes up, he went to his go-to answer. I've been around the team my whole life. You've heard the answer. Uh, I can't imagine what I would do. Uh-huh. Uh, and it's a defense mechanism because no, you don't want to think of it. But I, you have to think about it. And especially when you're as wealthy as he is. Um, why do we work? We, we, oh, we all love our job, right? But it, it doesn't hurt that you try to accuse or acquire, uh, acquire some money that helps your family uh, get through whatever there is down the road. And, you know, he's already surpassed that. He's got, now he just bought an $18 million home. I bring that up because that's the fourth house of his. Uh, I'm, mm. I'm still trying to pay for my own house. Um, and he's got, he's, he's got four homes. Um, and what do you do with all those homes? You, you want to spend time there. Uh, you got a lake house. You're on a lake. Uh, you got a house on a golf course in Florida. Now you got a house on the on the on the beach uh, on the on the Atlantic. Um, I, I'm just, I bring all this up, Mary. I know it's a long answer, but yeah, if if he, I guarantee you, he's been thinking about retirement. Okay, okay, that and that is probably true. I can, I that is plausible. I could totally, I could totally see that. I could. Um, can I just ask a quick? Question regarding the search, the the committee at uh, the Alabama are they are they going when they're looking for a coach? They are going to be realistic, aren't they? Because filling okay, filling Nick Saban's ma- I mean the shoes are massive. I would hate to be the coach that comes in after. I mean these are some really massive shoes to fill. I mean the re- I mean his record just over the years do you think that they'll be realistic or are they going to go out again and try to find another coach you know that's you know be well, like you know, be like here, here's the answer and, to that you know, just- um you're 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 in the position it's, it's it's one person that's doing the search he he obviously needs it will be in consultation with his president and several key people but the one thing about this uh I don't know whether Greg Byrne was caught off guard or not. I doubt he was. I, I sat with Greg Byrne at a dinner three weeks ago, and he's, he's not caught off guard by anyone. We were together all night, and he, he was going to California the next day. And I, and I came back and told my, my guys here, 
I wonder if he's going out there meeting with coaches. I, I mean, we were thinking about this. And if I'm thinking about it as the guy sitting next to him at this dinner, he's been thinking about it. He has a list. Uh, you, you talk to agents all the time. Uh, you know your coach is, is going to retire at some point in time. And the one reason I think Coach Saban may have retired, I had somebody say to me yesterday or the day before, he only has one year left, right? Meaning that's starting to, sit, to seep in. And I think Saban knew that he was, he, he, was, he was going to face that. We need to go to a break, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show Podcast. 